Greetings everybody out there in dreamland. Namaste and salam. Iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend. Thank you all very much for tuning into another broadcast of the Beyond Top Secret Texan. I am the Beyond Top Secret Texan. I am broadcasting to you from the third coast, the coast of most, the Gulf Coast of Texas. My pride and privilege to be doing so. So thank you all, listeners new and old. You know who you are. This is your first episode and this is your 400th episode. Appreciate every second of attention you have spent listening to my voice, to my words, to this program, uh, the information, the information I know is extreme, it's intense, it's advanced, it's unforgiving, there's a steep learning curve, it's fast paced, there's a high volume of it, we just don't dog paddle in the shallow end of the kiddie pool, you know, this is straight up immersion, you know, deep sea diving, straight to the Marianas Trench, straight to the bottom, you know, way, way past um, uh, the, the bottom tip of the iceberg, and we're, we're going into like a Cthulhu-level territory and shit, where, you know, Riley lay, uh, you know, sleeping. And uh, Cthulhu lay dreaming, and uh, basically, I, I appreciate every single one of you who uh, has the guts to stick it out every episode and to the end of the episodes. I mean, that blows my mind that you guys are willing to spend, uh, you know, so much time listening to the episodes and everything, and then responding with the questions and the Q and A polls. That's really cool. I like hearing your comments. I like hearing your reviews. You guys all have some great things to say. I do listen to them. I do uh, read every single one of them. And I try to incorporate what you guys are saying, the criticisms, etc. So don't hold back. Feel free to speak your mind. Feel free to share your thoughts on this program. On Because it's a listening experience. Fully understand that. It has to be enjoyable for you. It has to be... Uh, entertaining for you as well as being a expressive outlet for myself uh, and and the ability to broadcast this information uh, that's really what's important but you know for those that wish to support I understand you deserve your money's worth you deserve your tips worth you deserve to be heard and uh, this has always tried to be a community effort you know we've been attacked a lot by shills trolls government employees, glowies, etc. But uh, always we, I've always wanted to uh, be able to reach out and speak openly with my listeners and to have that kind of uh, repertoire of you guys telling me what you want to hear and me covering it or telling me what you want to change and me doing so, etc. So that's always a healthy uh, back and forth. But for those that are asking and everything, remember that the um, supporters... The people who do tip and everything, the people who are uh, subscribing to the Spotify uh, for Podcasters account for the exclusive episodes, the people who are supporting with the $1, the $5, the $10 subscri- uh, you know, tips through Cash App, uh, those who are making once a month big donations, etc., those people are going to be uh, the... The, you know, the ones who get the most say in the production of value of it. It's just fair to them. It's just uh, the, how the real world works. <clears throat> so yeah, thank you very much for your patronage. 
Uh, I am still kicked off of Patreon, been kicked out there twice. You guys know everything by, by far. Uh, I've probably said it too, too often how many times I've been kicked off of everything, but that's always just a big forerunner for the program is to remind you guys that my social media is still active. It's still active on Twitter slash X. It's still active on X. Let's just get with the times. They call it X now. So active on X at nearly 10,000 followers who join the party and um, help get us over that milestone. And, you know, never really thought we'd even have it that over a thousand followers on that platform. But that's actually been the one that's nowadays changed for the better and been more welcoming for my style of content, uh, video posts, uh, news articles, etc. I guess now once I've learned how to use Twitter and use X, um, you know, to its to its potential, I see I see its benefit. Plus, its massive user base and everything. Um, you know, I get I understand why it's a news feed. It, it went from a social media because uh, I you know I I was here the entire time as an adult. You know, adult life cycle, you know, like uh, fully aware of Twitter when it was first introduced in 2007 to what it's morphed into now. And it was ridiculous, I thought, that people would want to constantly give their opinions and status updates and locations, etc. And then I realized it was morphing not into a friendly social network, but a news network in a way of independent creators to kind of uh, give their little, like, you know, opinions and blurbs and build their brand or whatever they called it. Um, by allowing people to see a lot into their world. But now, you know, I, I, I understand it's extreme important, say around 2016, with the, I guess you call it the creation of this modern cyberpunk age when Twitter uh, literally became how the president was decided because the mastery of social media and the adoption of social media to be able to reach everyone as campaigns. So I understand, I understand. I'm a little late to the game, you know, obviously. But I was I also knew that it was extremely censored, uh, you know, just as a matter of routine. I've always known that Twitter is would have kicked me off maybe two or three years ago for the shit I'm posting now. Most definitely would have kicked me off. Just like how Instagram kicked me off. Uh, just like how, um, you know, Patreon kicked me off. Just how YouTube kicked me off. It's always a weird thing to talk about social media because you're like, you know, I would never change the way I use social media, but the reason why I'm not on social media is because social media has kicked me off. And, you know, the previous social media that I had, I didn't want it because it was such a different thing that it wasn't what I wanted to do or who I was. So that's why my projects were delayed until like about 2018, 2019 to start kind of doing it because I started realizing that the the winds of change were blowing more into the direction of self-expression and freedom and, you know, fighting against censorship, etc. Whereas the winds of uh, magic before had been blowing into the direction of censorship and repression and canceling, etc. And they still try. They've still tried to do all of that, and they still are going to do that, but, you know, now there is a little bit of hope. Now there is a little bit of life uh, in the fight, and we are going to try to stoke those embers on anywhere we can. Social media, uh, so far X is the flagship 
social media beyond Top Secret Texan videos is Odyssey, odyssey.com. I'm probably going to get on Rumble fully and try to upload a lot of my information on Rumble or just start, uh, start fresh by making new videos. But we're going to be trying to, and still going to try to uh, get our message out on as many different platforms as possible, but focusing on the ones that, you know, are worth it. We know YouTube, etc., is the 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 enemy, and we're not even going to support them by by giving them our content. Uh, you know, we're not going to support um, Rockfin, the pedo uh, front site for child pornography uh, that masks itself as red pilled, quote unquote, for for Freemasonic uh, conspiracy bullshit and nonsense between gays and other sodomites. Um, we're not going to support Rockfin at all. That Freemasonic owned Bitcoin company. They don't even. They, they say like, oh, we're the best at uh, paying our creators, but we'll pay you in fake money. And it's like Bitcoin and digital crypto and shit like that. It's fucking stupid. They won't even. They won't even respond to you if you ask if you can get paid in United States, you know, currency. Which is, it's like, why would I? Why would I sign anything or or agree to any payments that don't have an option to be? Converted into USD by your um, payroll, you know, by your payroll. Uh, you don't get, pay me a monopoly money, and and then tell me to go take it to the bank, uh, a special bank that will transform it into uh, real money because it's it's safer and more off the grid and uh, against the you know whatever. And now it's a fake. You're you're bullshitting me. You're fucking bullshitting me. You don't have an option for United States currency because you don't have money to pay your people and this is all funny and bullshit and exactly like the idea is that someone else is going to be converting your crypto into cash a third party bank system which which artificially inflates the use of this coin because it's used only by Rockfin or whatever the fuck it's like XRP I don't even know I don't give a shit I hate crypto so fucking much um but yeah Without ranting too much, today is uh, Sunday. This is going to be Texas by Texan, and we're going to be talking about um, some really fucking crazy shit involving the CDC and Texas and San Antonio specifically. Um, many people do not know this, but the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, and the U.S. you know federal government, the one of the largest pillars of the deep state, by the way, the militarized civilian scientist, uh, federally funded over a overlord and authoritarian with emergency crisis powers that proceed even the military in regards to certain situations, um, as given provisions by Homeland security, etc. So they, it's part of Homeland security. Definitely. With its headquarters in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, It's national headquarters in Atlanta, Georgia, by the way. But a regional office, the second largest regional office outside of that Atlanta, Georgia office being in San Antonio, Texas. That's right. Wonderful San Antonio, Texas. Incredible, thriving, uh, living, you know, just gorgeous, beautiful San Antonio, Texas. Houses. Not only the largest CIA armory in the United States of America, but the second largest CDC operational headquarters, original headquarters, 
a territorial headquarters or whatever you would like to call it. Uh, you know, if you want to put it in business terms, like a like a regional office um, for its for its higher level, you know, managers, employees, agents, and those going through training, as well as one of the nation's largest, and I think the nation's largest. Uh, viral disease quarantine sites. Now this is very interesting because in the last 10 years, remember this was recorded in 2023, so in the last 10 years, it has been the home and center for several virological outbreaks and quarantines of exotic diseases Historically very rare in the United States. And wouldn't you know it that the Beyond Top Secret Texan has it going on basically in his backyard. And that's glorious San Antonio, Texas. A city, by the way, that is so large it is the third largest city in America. Currently, having surpassed Dallas. Oh, sorry. Having surpassed uh, Austin. And second only to Dallas, Fort Worth, and Houston, Texas. So the top three largest cities in Texas are Houston, Texas, which is the fourth largest city in America, Dallas, Texas, which is like the eighth largest city, and San Antonio, Texas, which is just slightly smaller than Dallas, Texas. And it's predicted that by 2050... Which, by the way, is not... It, it sounds science fiction, like, oh, in 2050. But just like how 2023 was once a very far-off prediction for the people in, say, the 1980s, um, things do come to pass. And, and the more things change, the more things stay the same. San Antonio will have a population and a city size larger than Houston, Texas, by current growth measurements. So not only is it a large city... It is a thriving city and a growing city as many people from California, uh, New York State, etc. find San Antonio to be absolutely ideal because of its Hispanic aesthetic, which is authentic to them. It's extreme commutability. It is a very well-built city. And um, as far as traffic goes, it's very manageable. I, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a big city that you don't even realize is that big because the traffic is so well, you know, coordinated, adjusted. But beyond the point, I mean, they immediately recognize that. Anyone who's traveled immediately recognizes traffic. Um, the Riverwalk is built for tourists, and if you're not from here, but you intend to live full-time, you are still a tourist by, by in heart and by nature. So you're always going to see bullshit like the Riverwalk and go to the mall and just downtown to the uh, the, uh, the Polga and shit like that. Like, you're going to go uh, the Alamo. You're going to go to all these places because it's gimmicky. And you're going to invite all your foreign, out-of-state friends and your migrant buddies. And you're going to be like, yeah, we're in San Antonio. And I don't mean migrant. You're from Latin America. I mean migrant. You're from California or Oregon or some bullshit like that. And you're going to be like, oh, it's so Texan. Oh, I bought cowboy boots and I'm eating chili peppers. I'm eating jalapeno peppers on my burger in San Antonio near the Alamo. That's why they love fucking San Antonio. It's There's like those three reasons. It's like it's those three reasons. Oh, and there's like taco shops and shit everywhere. And things are in Spanish sometimes. And it's like Mexicans. Uh, generally produce a lot of good work and service workers 
and shit. So like things are typically very nice uh, because they clean them. You know, they're they're paid to clean them. And so in other big cities, things kind of fall apart and they're shitty. Uh, and so San Antonio is actually sparkling and kind of clean, even though it's not. And it's filled with homeless, uh, in my opinion. And it's a very, I mean, gritty and urban environment. San Antonio, just like anywhere else, is a big fucking city. And it's like, uh, you know, you got your big city crime. You got your shit going on. Never goes to sleep. Fucking crazy. Uh, sex world in San Antonio it's like sex tourism for all of South Texas and like Southwest Texas and um, even attracts like the people from the north Uh, and that's really where shit gets Texas-y is the fucking like the fact that people go to San Antonio specifically from small towns to have sex and crazy clubs are with each other etc but uh, this all makes sense by the way this is all gonna come down to what I'm trying to explain here. The point I'm trying to make, besides it being a swinger uh, hot zone, tourist destination, and uh, one of the largest growing and thriving cities of people moving there and bringing all these new different kinds of people and different kinds of, you know, like realities, is that it's also completely controlled by the military and by the uh, intelligence agencies, the CIA, and uh, the military operating at Fort Sam Houston, which is where they literally... Uh, enlist and indoctrinate and uh, put into the system before shipping out all of the recruits from Texas across all the different branches of the military um, as well as the the San Antonio city location proper being the home of the Air Force Training Academy for the enlisted Air Force as well as the training academy for all of the medical staff that they trained in the United States, the continental United States, before they go off to Germany or something. Uh, you know, I believe it's Ramstein Air Force Base that uh, has a lot of the training afterwards. But um, San Antonio is where a lot of these people have trained historically for decades. For example, Jeffrey Dahmer and, um, you know, all the people who trained in the medical uh, military corps basically went through San Antonio. It is a hot zone for the um, secret space program, the super soldier program, the MK Ultra program, the four pie hand of death, you know, death cults that operate from this area as well. And it has a very large, like I said, homeless population, nomadic interior, uh, working class population, immigrant population, a highway that travels from Mexico goes directly through San Antonio. Uh, So it has a shitload of people in it, right? Coming and going all the fucking time. San Antonio is fucking awesome in terms of just how complex and how many, like, in terms of just the scale of this shit. Right, and don't forget to see the Alamo. <laughs> don't forget to see the Alamo when you're down there. Um, but basically, also got a great Dave and Buster's. <laughs> Excellent Dave and Buster's in San Antonio. Um, but yeah, the point I'm trying to make is that it's clearly a capital city, at least in terms of the New World Order. And definitely a Freemasonic city in terms of the thriving international importance of it and why they would obviously build into it and take it like for everything it has. 
it is an extremely wealthy environment. Um, a lot of millionaires, etc. Big fucking successful families that rule that city. Uh, like the Cullens, etc. And have ruled it since the cowboy days. But it also has that CDC center. And that CDC, CDC center, we know, is a militarized, virological, weaponized, um, research deployment and counter uh, offensive or counteracting agency just like it's a, it's an unofficial branch of the Pentagon just like the Air Force just like the CIA has military capabilities and keeps its largest armory in the United States and San Antonio as well as the United States keeping many of their largest bases and training stations in the United in Texas and San Antonio as well the CDC keeps many of its virological and chemical weapons uh, or basically biological and, bio- and bacterial weapons in San Antonio as well and uses the population for training purposes uses the population for projection purposes uh, running simulations as well as recruiting agents training agents uh, to do its various black ops level shit I have a couple of articles here that are centered on San Antonio and the CDC and in Texas in general um about the basically the new developments and then developments that have happened in the last 10 years just little windows of shit that I find very interesting this isn't really like I said I don't do these things where it's like and then this happened and then this happened and then this person this is the person but yeah we're gonna we're gonna talk about it today on the Texan by Texas by Texan the CDC and it's fucking connection to Texas basically CDC in San Antonio, Texas. You know, no other title for that. Okay, so this one is from 2014, right? Just in that under nine years. The San Antonio Report had this article, just in case San Antonio is prepared for Ebola. A week ago, Americans heard the scary news from the CDC that Ebola is here. Unfortunately, the Liberian national who traveled to Dallas on September 20th and became ill four days later finally succumbed to the disease. While we wait anxiously, the patient's close contacts have been in quarantine and are being monitored for signs and symptoms. So far, none of his close contacts have tested positive for the disease. The handling of this event has made us all take a second and third look at our preparations for an outbreak of any infectious disease. Are we prepared locally? Yes. Over the past 10 years, the San Antonio Metro Health District, the Department of State Health Services Region 8, the DSHS, and the South Texas Regional Adversary Council, or Advisory Council, the STRAC, have worked close together to prepare a coordinated response to any emergency event with the CDC, the Center for Disease Control. This coordinated response has served our community well through multiple hurricanes, a tornado, and a pandemic. For the most part, this preparedness has not been obvious to the public. In the public health field, we have an old saying, if you do your job right, no one knows about it. If you make one misstep, it's disastrous. As the Ebola outbreak raged on in West Africa, Metro Health has been weekly meetings with STRAC since August to prepare for an Ebola case in San Antonio, Texas. They are coordinating with all other agencies, including fire, police, emergency services, hospitals, and the medical examiner agency 
The funeral parlors are also included to have policies in place should a case occur here. At the same time, local health officials are working intensively with health care providers to educate staff to recognize risk factors and symptoms. Quote, if a patient has a fever of 101.5 degrees Fahrenheit, has traveled from Liberia, Sierra Leone, or Guinea in the past three weeks, this triggers immediate isolation and quarantine and further evaluation for possible Ebola infections, said Dr. Anil Mengla. Mengala, Anel Mengla, Assistant Director of Metro Health San Antonio. We've all seen photos of workers in high-level hazmat gear, but an important element is often forgotten. How to remove the personal protective equipment, PPE, properly so as not to contaminate yourself or your environment. Officials believe this is how the nurse in a Spanish hospital became infected. So healthcare workers in San Antonio are receiving updated information on the proper use, removal, and disposal of PPE. Hospitals in San Antonio are well-stocked and prepared in case of outbreaks. While we've had court-ordered quarantines for tuberculosis happening often enough, the local officials are, are accustomed to the procedure. Such quarantines become necessary for Ebola or any other disease. The city attorney's office has reviewed the policies and is prepared to act promptly. Systems are already in place for the clean-up and transportation of contaminated materials, so there will be no delay in disinfecting the areas in which a patient has been used. Still, there is fear. Ebola makes us all nervous, rightly so, with a fatality rate around 50% in the current outbreak, but the risk of transmission locally is extremely low. Even if a traveler from West Africa arrived in a San Antonio hospital, the likelihood of infecting anyone is slim. The living conditions of most San Antonians, even our poorest residents, are much different than West Africa. We have running water and soap to clean surfaces. We're not cleaning up vomit with a dry rag in our hands. We really have ready access to bleach. We have had, for the most part, ready access to healthcare facilities that are now acutely aware of the possible arrival of an infected patient. The only documented transmission in the 38 years since the disease was first identified has been through close contact with bodily fluids of an infected individual. Dr. C.J. Peters, known as the virus hunter of the CDC and a world-renowned expert on Ebola viruses, is now working at the University of Texas Medical Bank in Galveston. Will not rule out the possibility of an airborne infection, but let's take that into context. When dealing with biology, we learn to never say never. As an epidemiologist, we learn that disease can change and surprise us, so we prepare ourselves for our possibilities. That doesn't mean they're likely, it means we are prepared. And that's something that people don't remember, is that in 2014... Ebola pandemics were breaking out and causing quarantines in Texas. And it's all part of a string of continuous mind games. Now the CDC, who has a regional headquarters and a territorial headquarters, I believe it's a forward operating base. I believe it vies for power, but rules as a basically a legislative legal fortress for the federal government itself operating as a foreign invading 
hostile government. Here's another article that caught my eye. And I cannot say that there is, I will say right now, there is no coincidences. And that this is not a coincidence. The CDC has this large territorial forward operating base. And like I said, just like the CIA armory, it is the federal deep state's armory for virological and bacterial biological weapons. And it uses our population in Texas, especially the large population in Texas and San Antonio specifically, as guinea pigs to project outbreaks and to, um, and to run psychological operations on how to terrorize communities and demoralize them in the modern urban world. This is from the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention itself, CDC 24-7, saving lives, protecting people, trademarked, that they had discovered the largest HIV cluster in America. And where do you think that largest HIV cluster in America would be? San Francisco, Portland, uh, Seattle, how about New York City? How about uh, Detroit? You know, somewhere dirty and broken and like, you know, just not even a real city anymore. Just a lawless hellscape of suburban homes. No, no, no none of those. Not Chicago, not like, you know, Indianapolis or not like, I don't know, uh, Milwaukee or anywhere like that. No, uh, not L.A. with 300,000 homeless people basically uh, living on the streets 24-7. Not anywhere in, say, on the West Coast. Where is this largest HIV uh, super zone, right? Super spreader zone, where you're gonna get fucking AIDS if you even, like, go over here on a bad day. The largest HIV super zone and network in America is in San Antonio, Texas. When the CDC began conducting molecular analysis of HIV data at the national level, Researchers were surprised to see a rapidly growing cluster of linked infections diagnosed in and around San Antonio, Texas. The Texas Department of State Health Services, DSHS, and the CDC began studying the cluster in the early days of 2017, initially identifying 24 linked infections. Following a full investigation, including reviewing and following up on data from partner services interviews, health officials discovered a network of 87 active HIV-infected people. The nation's largest identified HIV cluster at the time. Some intentionally spreading the disease with full knowledge of their, of their infection. Most individuals in the clusters were young gay men and bisexuals of Hispanic and Latino origin. That fact was no surprise to the advocates and healthcare providers who had been working for years with this population. Quote, many young people haven't received much information about HIV or how to prevent it, says Greg Casales, assistant director of San Antonio's Thrive Youth Center. When they test positive, they're afraid to disclose the information to their families or their communities, let alone seek treatment. We're a very conservative, closeted city, and that can make it hard for people to learn about HIV properly. End quote. But the size of the cluster came as a shock. 
Those of us working in the community have been seeing young people coming into HIV care very ill with advanced levels of infection, says Dr. Barbara Taylor, an infectious disease specialist and assistant professor at the University of Texas Health Science Center in San Antonio. So we knew transmission was happening, but it was stunning to learn that we had the biggest cluster in the country at the time. Being able to visualize the scope of the problem like we are, that was so important, it pushed us to think differently. Thinking differently led to a gathering at a local restaurant where a group of patient advocates, city public health officials, academic medical center staff, and people with HIV came together one afternoon to discuss how to properly respond. While the participants represented disparate groups, the direct detections of the cluster made them all acutely aware that something needed to change, including engaging people with living experiences and focusing prevention efforts to stop transmission in the network itself. It was clear that we had been doing, what they call it a network, when in reality it's uh, apparently a gay hookup scene or whatever. And I told you before, as a preface, that San Antonio, Texas is considered a sex tourism uh, hotspot. It is considered a sex tourism destination for all of South Texas and including to West Texas and now including even people from larger cities up north, which were typically very decadent, very hedonistic, very LGBT, uh, sodomite, uh, weird fetish sex clubs, uh, hookup culture, you know, big city free love type style uh, lifestyles who now even travel to San Antonio to get their kicks because of just how how emphasized and intense the scene is really over there. It is the same as, say, San Francisco or New York City or um, L.A., you know, in terms of the, the levels of hardcore sex you can engage in, uh, just by casually, you know, um, looking into this shit. Like, this this is a very euphemized language, but apparently they had a... And if it's 84 that they know about, I would say just times that by 10, uh, say, say roughly somewhere around um, 800, maybe maybe near 1,000 active HIV or... or unaware HIV infected uh, gay Latinos typically from South Texas or the border or Mexico that travel and live full time in San Antonio as a closest like I said and and just a an extremely large city type environment these are not I would doubt these are anything more than immigrants or migrants or first generation Americans themselves engaging in this lifestyle due to American liberalism and the fact that this is pushed on as well as being guinea pigs that, you know, in itself for how this, because uh, everyone has the theory that, CD, that the CDC invented AIDS, that the CIA invented AIDS, the CIA uh, pushes AIDS in the communities as a weapon, as a weaponized virus to destroy uh, social networks, specifically as also a human sacrifice targeting marginalized and neglected populations of homosexuals, specifically minority homosexuals, such as uh, CIA's Project MK Naomi, and that was the um, research and development of the 
infection models, the infection methodologies, and then so they figured out that unprotected gay anal sex was the best way to do it, and that would be the way to introduce in the communities through prisons, because prisons and prisoners engaged in lifestyles of unprotected gay anal sex. And once everyone in prisons were infected with HIV, they brought that lifestyle out when they were released from prison into the general population. And it just keeps going on, talk about their propaganda. And, and the uh, difficulties of Texas, and they keep saying this language over and over again, Texas's culture is, is difficult because it stigmatizes things like HIV testing expansion, syringe service programs, special attention to PrEP distribution amongst uh, people, say, in schools. A local HIV service organization, Beat AIDS, sponsors billboards and bus ads, uh, even talks about vandalization. And it says everything and all efforts are for to reduce the stigma. So it's a cultural attack using their own people to victimize as human sacrifices to get Texas to have to bend the knee and treat them as like a endangered minority. There is also a CDC from the CDC website, web archive itself from 2014. The CDC and Texas Health Department confirmed first Ebola case diagnosed in the USA. And this was because a failed pandemic plan in 2014 the CDC had was to introduce Ebola into the large homeless and mostly black populations in Texas. But not factoring the fact that the average Texan has a lifestyle, even when they are extremely poor, that is higher than most people in Western Africa ever experience. Um... So that thwarted their plans because in 2014 during the Obama administration that was the new that was going to be the new plague that they were going to introduce into America and it would ravage specifically the homeless population specifically the black populations of America with literally Ebola that they that they imported knowingly from Liberia and who they housed knowingly at first, at the Texas CDC, doing research on its infectivity rate and um, the viability and projections of the AI models of how virulent and infectious it would be. And they were going to treat this entirely like how they treated the COVID pandemic in 2020 with full lockdowns and full masks. But Ebola is extremely fragile and almost completely non-existent outside of certain natural conditions. Uh, specifically, a condition of extreme unsanitary bodily fluid contact. The Centers for Disease and Prevention confirmed today through laboratory tests that the first case of Ebola to be diagnosed in the United States is a person who had traveled to Dallas, Texas from Liberia. 
The person fell ill on September 24th, 2014 and sought medical care at Texas Health Presbyterian Hospital of Dallas in September 26th after developing symptoms consistent with Ebola. He was admitted to hospital on the September 28th. Based on the person's travel history and symptoms, CDC recommends testing for Ebola. The medical facility isolated the patient and sent specimens for testing at CDC and at a Texas lab participating in the CDC's laboratory response network in San Antonio, Texas. CDC and the Texas Health Department reported the laboratory test results and the medical center to inform the patient. A CDC team is being dispatched to Dallas to assist with the investigation further. And it goes on and on and on with what the CDC wanted to do. CDC has been anticipating preparing for the case of Ebola in the United States. We have been enhancing surveillance and laboratory testing capacity in states to detect cases, developing guidance and tools with locals, providing recommendations for healthcare infection control and other measures to prevent disease spread, providing guidance for flight crews, emergency medical services, units at airports, customs and border protection patrols, and reporting ill uh, travelers to CDC immediately, disseminating up-to-date information to the general public, international travelers, and public health partners. And it just keeps going on, like, about their preparedness. Ebola is scary. That's the difference in the world between the U.S. and parts of Africa where Ebola is spreading. The United States has a strong healthcare system of public health professionals. So, you know, it's it's, uh, likely... But I don't think a lot of people listening now even remember because how successfully it's been memory hold of the Texas Ebola outbreak. That's right, Texas Ebola outbreak. Having read two articles, that's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to that shit. Having to live through it, it's hard to explain because there's very little information of it now. But guess what we're living through now? We're living through COVID. That's right, coronavirus. So now we're going to look at it again that the new COVID variant is strong in Texas, believe it or not, right? Oh my God, exactly. I think it's not a surprise anymore given the fact that we intentionally quarantine and keep so many infectious diseases as well as most people now, realizing that coronavirus uh, may have been potentially engineered in the Wuhan laboratories after CDC uh, Texas laboratory funding was and personnel were intentionally shipped over there as well as maybe even having engineered the prototypes in Texas specifically to target the Han Chinese ethnotype now that is a theory not necessarily one I believe but that is a theory that links to the CDC in Texas so what to know about the latest COVID variant and vaccine amid cases rising in Dallas-Fort Worth? The EG5 Eris is the newest COVID strain that's been going around. Soon there will be a new vaccine to tackle it. And this is from 2023. This is August 23rd, 2023. The symptoms can mimic a common cold or allergies. Oh no, everybody watch out. Common cold or allergies. Stuffy nose, sore throat, headache, cough, usually a mild cough, maybe fever or some muscle aches, said Dr. Winter. The symptoms being more or less the same as other COVID strains. Good news is most cases are mild. Of course, some are severe while others are asymptomatic. 
He is no surprise that Iris is or Eris is picking up steam. There were 90 cases in a week in a children's hospital. It's a large number of cases since late January. Dr. Khan recommends children who are immunocompromised or with an underlying lung or heart disease to get vaccinated if they haven't already. It begins another surge in the public eye because after that was printed across the state no, same day, August 23rd, 2023 the deep state pushing the virus fear of COVID once again and a well-coordinated predicted campaign of domestic terror psychological operations the CDC also runs this article, or at least local Texas news, which is run by the Freemasons of the deep state, by the way, large business. COVID shuts down school district in Carnes County for the rest of the week. A notice from the Runge ISD superintendent himself diagnosed with the virus also stated extracurricular activities are on hold. San Antonio, a small South Texas school district located southeast of San Antonio, is shutting down until next Tuesday, citing a recent surge of positive COVID-19 cases within our district. A letter from Runge ISD Superintendent Hector O. Dominguez Jr. notified families of the closures. Extracurricular activities and team practices are also on hold until 7.50 a.m. on August 29th. Runge ISD is a small district that services 195 students and operates on a schedule of four-day weeks starting on Tuesday and ending Friday. Ten out of 43 staff members were diagnosed with COVID. He says this situation is entirely different than the 2022 year. I tested myself with a physician, and I too tested positive for COVID, he said. We're a very small school district, so we don't have the resources with another large district would have to cover classes. And that's the end of the article for that. So they're suing the COVID shit again. And it's no... No... um, coincidence either that while this is all going on and you're starting to see the first news articles first news breaks this month about a new covid crisis from texas having to shut down the entire state or having to spread amongst children so you have to keep the children you got to protect the children and get new vaccines or mandates or whatever from the federal government from biden on down ordering that everybody get new shots, new boosters for the variants, the Eris variant. That we also see the CDC granting San Antonio $25.5 million for healthcare infrastructure. The U.S. Centers of Disease Control and Prevention has awarded a $25.5 million grant to the city of San Antonio Metropolitan Health District that will cover a five-year period and be used to upgrade the city's healthcare infrastructure. With support from the American Rescue Plan Act, the Strengthening U.S. Public Health Infrastructure Workforce and Data Systems Grant will also aid the city's progress of the San Antonio Forward Plan. 
I'm excited and honored that Metro Health has awarded with a first-of-its-kind grant that will transform the way we operate and build resilience, said Metro Health Director Claude A. Jacob. This grant will allow us to fully implement our San Antonio Forward Plan, a critical one for building the workplace, enhancing infrastructure to combat future threats to public health and providing equal resources throughout Bexar County, or Bear County. A City of San Antonio, San Antonio Forward Plan is a strategic effort to make a healthier community for all. The focus will be on the following over the next five years. Access to medical care, data and technology infrastructure, food insecurity and nutrition, health equity and social justice, mental health and community resilience, and violence prevention. We are grateful to Congressman Joaquin Castro for his instrumental support of the San Antonio's bid to obtain this public health funding. The CDC announced a national, a national public health initiative that $3.9 billion will be offered to the state, local, and territorial jurisdictions across the United States through the course of five years. This is to strengthen the public health workforce and infrastructure. San Antonio is the first city in America to receive these funds. From big government they will get $25 million to help the Metro Health modernize its services and hire more personnel to improve our city's access to health care over the next five years. I look forward to continue working with the city of San Antonio to ensure that we keep moving forward and that our San Antonio families receive the federal support they deserve. Effectively buying out the city and being able to redesign its hospitals as it see fits. And now for a little bit more of conspiratorial tone, a little bit more of a rabbit hole to explore because all this looks very on the surface, above board, average, normal, for lack of a better word. And I can see why many people wouldn't be suspicious of a deep state, unofficial branch of the Pentagon financially controlling a state that has multiple exotic diseases breaking out across it from malaria to Ebola and to variant strains of COVID. But I'll also read this. This did not happen in Texas, but it happened in Massachusetts, but it's connected from somebody from Texas who was employed in San Antonio and quite mysteriously employed with some very important people and companies on the CDC's radar. A man's name was Franco Bradley. Franco Badley called the police on himself 
after he lost a video feed of his hotel room that he was staying at, fearing someone had broken into it while he was gone, and observing it from a surveillance camera app he had on his phone. Franco went on to say, as he was questioned by police, that he could that he could not tell them what he does for work and why he had so many firearms on him, but that he has done work in the area before for a government agency that is now dealing with a virus. Okay, greetings. You're not going to believe that during the recording of this podcast, uh, there was a blackout that lasted for several hours uh, in my community. And now we're resuming broadcast and transmission. The story of Franco Bradley. A completely memory hold account of an individual, <clears throat> a man named Franco Bradley, as long as a female. Uh, uh, accomplice who called the police on himself after he lost a video feed from a surveillance camera of his own hotel room in Massachusetts. Franco went on to say he can't tell or he can't tell the police what he does for work or why he had all those guns with him which were Four automatic rifles and one bolt action with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen uh, clips. Sorry, sorry, magazines of ammo with the. With 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 uh, 40 millimeter or 20 millimeter grenades. I believe those are 40 millimeter grenades. Uh, one of the uh, automatic rifles is a AR-15 print with a boom tube in the undersling. Then we have... Uh, boxes of ammunition etc. So basically an arsenal and a, enough weaponry to fit a very uh, well armed uh, four man fire team from what I can see but that he was doing work in the area for a government agency that is dealing with the virus police right in a report Franco Bradley declined to name the agency or say more because he said the information was classified according to a police report. Bradley told officers that he was no one they could call to verify the information according to a police report. He told the police if he got a call to do his job he would just reclaim his guns from them or be given new guns. And there is verified articles from the LowellSun.com breaking news. Texas man facing weapon charges after he calls police. Bradley has the CDC's logo on his company's About Us page and the link 
linked them on his Facebook page. He has verified past professional ties to the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, USA, MRIID, and the FDA's Virus Response Team Training Center. He attended the first Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovation, CEPI, orientation in 2017 as a representative of Enzyme Engineering, his own personal company. So this was not a lunatic or a gangster with a preposterous story. This was not a drug dealer who watches too many movies. This was somebody with an actual verifiable Shady as fuck, espionage heavy past connected to the CDC that was caught by police armed to the teeth because he called them afraid that someone was breaking into his hotel. The tickets the police reported he was given were from an intersection within a block of the bioengineering firm Sanofi Genzyme, owned by French pharmaceutical multinational Sanofi. Sanofi Genzyme got sued in 2012 for negligently allowing a virus contamination in the manufacturing facility of which it was housed. They are given virus samples by other governments to produce vaccines, such as by the U.S. Army, producing a Zika vaccine for them. They have gotten into scandals and accused of eugenics programs using bad vaccines in the third world. And a... Stat News article, Sanofi Dengue Vaccine Scandal. Sanofi Genzyme's building is also next to the Cambridge Biomarketing Building and a building for Akibia Therapeutics Incorporated. Franco Frank Bradley is a Texas resident who was arrested in Massachusetts for weapons charges. He told the police that he was working for a company called Virus Genzyme and that he was on his way to deliver a package of great importance. He was born in Texas and he has lived there for most of his life. He has a background in security and firearms training and has worked for several security firms in the past. He is an avid outdoorsman and enjoys camping and hunting, according to his social media. He is also a keen computer programmer and has a degree in computer science from a local university. 
He is currently employed as a security consultant to the Virus Genzyme, a uh, biotechnology company based in Massachusetts. He is a loyal employee and has a strong commitment to protecting the company's assets and technology. In his free time, he enjoys spending time with his family and friends and loves to travel. That is his own personal bio from a linked tree account. Quote, according to news reports, Franco Bradley was ultimately arrested in Massachusetts in connection with a virus. He was reportedly working with Sanofi Genzyme, a biotech firm, for developing a PCR test used to detect a virus. Nothing became of the case and it has essentially been forgotten. Sanofi Genzyme is a biopharmaceutical company that is developing a next-generation COVID-19 booster vaccine to generate an immune response against variants of concern, including Omicron. The vaccine is currently in the clinical trial stage, but the results expected to be available in 2021. Sanofi has been developed a monoclonal antibody therapy for COVID-19, which is authorized for emergency use in the United States and is in the process of developing a vaccine for COVID-19. Additionally, Sanofi has provided financial support to the WHO-led COVAX initiative, which is working to ensure global access to the COVID-19 vaccines, as one press release says. Genzyme is a biotechnology company based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. It was acquired by Sanofi in 2011. It is now fully owned, subsidiary of the pharmaceutical giant. Genzyme focuses on rare diseases and specializes in developing drugs and treatments for them. Its products are aimed at helping those who suffer from diseases such as Goucher disease, Fabry disease, Pompe disease, and multiple sclerosis. Genzyme was the first company to demonstrate that money could be made by creating drugs for diseases with small patient populations. And in 2010, it generated revenues of nearly a $4 billion. It has several locations, mostly in Texas, including a supercenter in Houston, San Antonio as well. So it operates in one, two, three, four, five cities, two of which Houston and San Antonio, Texas, with San Antonio, Texas being in cooperation with the CDC forward operating headquarters of the deep state biotechnology, virological and bacterial weapons armory for lack of a better word, storage, research, and development center that they have currently stationed in San Antonio. Now that's a pretty strange case. If I say so myself, and I have this article here, 
that helps further elaborate on it. Now this is from Task and Purpose Online Magazine, a magazine for veterans. Texas Army vet arrested with massive weapons cache claims it's for a classified mission. A 59-year-old Army veteran arrested in Massachusetts hotel with dozens of weapons claims that he was assembled his arsenal as part of a classified mission for an unnamed government agency according to law enforcement. Texas native Franco Bradley and partner Adrian Jennings were arrested at the Marriott Residence Inn in Toxbury, Massachusetts on March 24th with a massive assortment of firearms and military-style equipment. Bradley claimed he had transported the stockpile to Massachusetts from Texas because he needed them with him for this mission, according to police report obtained by the Lowell Sun. The cash recovered by local law enforcement included several semi-automatic rifles outfitted with suppressors and bump stocks, an AR-15 variant with a grenade launcher affixed to the bottom, tactical vest that appeared outfitted with military-style smoke and flashbang grenades, and high-capacity magazines, including several affixed to each other by homemade cases, aka banana clips, allows an individual to shoot off all five magazines in a short amount of time. The weapons removed from the hotel room of Texas native Franco Bradley and partner Adrian Jennings by Toxbury March Police can be seen here. When pressed by detectives by the stash of guns in his room, Franco responded that he can tell us what he does for work or why he has all the guns on him, but that he is down in this area working for a government agency that is dealing with a virus, according to the report. Franco told police that he served as an EOD tech during his time in the military and currently works as a contractor for Enzyme Engineering, which claims the Department of Energy and Centers for Disease Control as clients. He also made a number of bizarre claims regarding his public service, including a suspicious stint with the Los Angeles Police Department. Franco made many comments during the interview that didn't coincide with the reality, such as the fact that he was on the LAPD in the 1984 Olympics. He knew that there were things that were supposed to be kept from the public regarding the O.J. Simpson case when it came out. It should be known that the O.J. Simpson case didn't take place until 1994, several years after he stated that he left Los Angeles. Franco's also stated that he was a science supporter of oncology, which was due to his cancer. Although not speaking with Franco in the interview and back at the station, he claimed that he had many prominent roles in the Obama campaign, our administration, and the German government working as a plainclothes drug officer in the DST K44 unit and single-handedly saved a one-star general who was kidnapped a few years ago by extremists. Franco also stated his first wife, who was 60 years old, died of old age, so he married someone who is 20 years younger than him to solve that problem. Despite their classified mission, neither Bradley nor Jennings were carrying any military or police identification, nor did they have any licenses to carry the inst in any state, according to the police report. We always bring the guns with us in case he gets deployed, Jennings told detectives. Oddly, police initially responded to the Marriott when Bradley himself called the police. 
to a report that believed someone was trying to break into his room. He had surveillance video feed in his hotel room from his car, and he was concerned that the video feed had died. During an excursion to Boston that day, according to Lowell's son, when police arrived, he advised law enforcement of a handgun hidden in a drawer in his room because he didn't want the gun to get into the wrong hands. The disclosure, which prompted the search to reveal his weapons cache in his car. Texas native Franco Bradley and partner Adrian Jennings Toxbury Police Department. But while the police report indicates that Bradley cooperated with law enforcement, Detective Patrick Connor came to suspect that Bradley was in fact planning a mass casualty event at one of the gun control marches planned for the Metro Boston area the following weekend. Bradley currently faces more than 40 criminal charges on investigated by state and federal law enforcement such as the FBI. At his arraignment, Bradley's attorney Robert Normandon claimed the assorted firearms were props used by Bradley as part of his consulting business. pretty intense shit and it's been completely memory hold that this individual who said he was a operating contractor basically a hitman or a special agent for a unmentionable government agency did have a military class weapon stash and was so casual and confident with everything unlike a typical outlaw gangster drug dealer or terrorist or whatever that he would give an interview where he basically spoke candidly to uh, police and FBI officials about his espionage history and work fucking crazy right and that would all be so intimately connected with less than two degrees separation from a operating company in the biovirological bacterial weapons filled vaccine filled from a lifelong Texan outside of Houston and San Antonio Now, here is uh, a little connection between the micro, which is that one agent who called the cops on himself, effectively, and the macro, the largest players, the largest fish in the ocean of conspiracy. The Rockefellers. Because where does the CDC even get off? Where does this virology of Western medicine and um, virus and, and bacterial um, disease and infection and cure disease, uh, you know, vaccine research even begin? 
with the Rockefellers. And the Rockefellers, as we know, being the American branch of the Rothschilds. Rockefeller money backed some of the many of the first projects in Western medicine. Persons and institutions that broke ground in pioneering human virology to the public were on Rockefeller payrolls. Individuals were trained by the Rockefeller Institutes of Science, routinely going to work in significant roles in the field of virology. A physician at the Rockefeller Institute for Medical Research, Richard Shop, was credited for the discovery of the first ever human virus, the Shop papillomavirus, in 1933. Much of this research is done with mass eugenics and population control in mind. The Carnegie founded uh, the Carnegie Foundation and Rockefeller founded Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory maintained files on millions of Americans with the goals of removing entire families, bloodlines, and whole ethnicities from the gene pool. It's likely that during this time Rockefeller tied scientists first uncovered information concerning And he goes on to a number of links. Infiltration of Nazi Germany. The Rockefellers were also subsequently heavily involved in bioweapons programs run by the U.S. that brought over Nazis who had studied viruses during World War II. Many of the German scientists poached by the United States had prior relationships to Rockefeller-type institutions of individuals before the war. Rockefeller-connected personnel were involved with various biological weapons programs within Germany during World War II. Such individuals included Eric Traub, Joseph Mengele, and Eugene Hagen. Studies of how to weaponize viral pathogens were done against the express orders of Hitler and showed that international organizations were likely infiltrating and manipulating Nazi Germany before and during World War II with scientific research in mind. Who is Eric Traub? Eric Traub was a German virologist who received his training in the 1930s at the Rockefeller Institute for Medical Research in Princeton, New Jersey, USA. He was mentored by Richard Schopp during his education and performed research on vaccines and viruses before the war, including pseudorabies virus and lymphocytic cherimenitis virus, LCM. While in the United States, he was a member of the German-American Bund, a Nazi organization which had ties to the Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory while operating as Friends of New Germany Picnic Grounds. After completing his education, Traub went on to work for the SS under Heinrich Himmler. Under the orders of Himmler and German scientist Kurt Blom, Traub worked on weaponizing pathogens such as the foot and mouth virus. Upon the completion of the war, Traub was brought over to the United States as part of the Operation Paperclip. Traub's knowledge gained during years working to the Reich Research Institute for Virus Disease of Animals and Reams Island proved that groundwork for their foundation of the Biological Weapons Program at Plum Island, New York State. There are allegations that a number of modern diseases originated from this facility such as Lyme disease. Eugene Hagen spent several years working at Rockefeller-affiliated institutes in the late 1920s and early 1930s. From 1928 to 1929, Hagen completed a guest appearance at the Rockefeller Institute in New York, 
where he became a government counselor in the 1930s and an associate member of the health department of the Rockefeller Foundation. It was during this time that Hagen also met the OSS intelligence officer who would help save him from the ruins of Nazi Germany after the war. In the 1930s, Hagen returned to Germany and became the head of the German biological weapons program alongside Kurt Blom. Hagen worked in various German prisons and death camps during the war, performing tests on Roma, Polish, and Jewish prisoners. He was ultimately picked up by the American intelligence programs and provided U.S. biological weapons with know-how for five active years. Joseph Mengele Joseph Mengele worked as an intern under Otmo Freer von Verschut in a program founded by the Rockefellers prior to his work at the Auschwitz camp. Von Verschut's laboratory was part of the German Kaiser Wilhelm Institute for Eugenics while receiving funding from the Rockefeller Foundation directly. The SS and Nazi bioweapons programs developed against Hitler's orders were funded by the Rockefellers. Efforts to test bioweapons by scientists working under the auspices of the SS went directly against the orders of Hitler, who viewed it as beneath the Germans to deploy such ordnance. Hitler himself was a known germaphobe who would describe Jews as a virus or having a virus, comparing the fight against Judaism to the work of Pasteur and Koch. All indications show that Hitler viewed pathogens as something to be eradicated, not weaponized and propagated. But research continued under the guise of enabling troops to defend against the bioweapon attacks. It was, in fact, Heinrich Himmler who went directly against Hitler's command and ordered the creation of offensive bioweapons, often studied as part of projects staffed by Rockefeller-trained personnel, originally under the guise of virus and biological weapon defense. This was not the real instance where Himmler misled or disobeyed, or not the only instance where Himmler misled and disobeyed Hitler during the war. Documents sent to Hitler by the SS concerning already vaccinated Jews had sections discussing their special treatment removed at the special request of Himmler. The evidence indicates systematic infiltration of Nazi Germany by the international entities such as the Rockefeller Foundation and consistent undermining of Hitler and other Nazi leadership for the benefits of third parties mostly capitalists in the Rockefeller regime. Rockefeller supported eugenics in other ways. Rockefeller Foundation was also funded and supported by other means of eugenics and population control. The foundation funded the rodent ecology project at John Hopkins University where John B. Calhoun was hired in 1946. Calhoun's behavioral sink experiments with rats were revolutionary, and the momentum caused by his conclusions would be used in 1973 by the Rockefeller Commission to justify calls for slowing or even reversing global population growth. The Rockefellers have also promoted anti-fertility measures such as abortion with the goal of promoting population control. The cover-up of bioweapons activities and CIA collaboration is extensive. The Rockefellers were later involved with efforts to block the release of information concerning bioweapons programs and their links to Nazi Germany. Their collaboration with the CIA and aspects of the CIA's program to attack the black civil rights movement while using feminism, socialism, communism, race separatism, or I guess racism at that point, HIV, and drug addiction to target the black community with 
at, with these things as well as other bioweapons. And it leaves up to the point of question mark for that. Beyond HIV, there's diabetes, sickle cell, etc. A uh, number of ailments and diseases that actually do target the black population for the purposes of population control. Infamously, Rockefeller Commission was enacted after growing public outcry over the CIA's domestic activities. The family was able to embed Nelson Rockefeller within the Ford administration as vice president. Rockefeller oversaw the cover-up of information related to bioweapons programs, the targeting likely assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. By the FBI, it was to ensure that only a limited amount of information was released on other CIA programs such as Project MKUltra. And that's where this kind of like starts drifting off into another thing entirely. But that is 100% mostly accurate. And when was the CDC created? July 1st, 1946. One year after World War II. It's quote-unquote Parrot Corporation is the United States Department of Health and Human Services, which is a federal deep state agency with a budget of $1.631 trillion as of 2022, and oddly and ironically was created uh, almost 10 years after the initial creation of the CDC. CDC created... In 1946, with the United States Department of Health and Human Services created in 1953 by Dwight D. Eisenhower. Thank you all very much. listening. For those who might find this a little demoralizing given the gravity and the size and the power of the enemy present as well as the extent and reality of this thing uh, realize that for the past 25 years America's federal agencies have fucked up everything they've tried in the establishment of the New World Order in America. In Hurricane Katrina, FEMA was useless and the disastrous handling became a laughingstock. It was supposedly federal institution that had plans to take over the entire nation 
given a call for emergency. During 9-11, the FAA and airport security, as well as Air Force, like NORAD, uh, air defenses, etc., were also proven to be as worthless as were first responders. And the entire military defense state that had been built with billions of dollars in the Cold War. Iraq and Afghanistan were the USA's military was stopped for years and suffered heavy losses proved to everybody over the last 20 years that the defense department in the pentagon is absolutely incapable of winning wars no matter who the enemy is the situation in crisis at the mexican border has proven that u.s border patrol It's completely useless, as well as U.S. citizenship. Being completely pointless. In February 2003, Space Shuttle Columbia's explosion and destruction over the atmosphere and crashing eventually into Texas was a nail in the coffin of NASA and proved how pointless and poorly conducted NASA space missions truly were. Forever ruining their reputation and ending the space shuttle program, the end of the space shuttle era. The proving that the steel dossier was a hoax and the handling of the Hunter Biden laptop issue has proved that the FBI and the DOJ are crooked, incompetent, or either way completely useless in preventing, solving, or investigating criminal conductivity in a two-tiered criminal justice system. COVID-19 and its responses over the years that followed proved that the CDC and the Department of Health were crooked, useless, and more importantly, pathological liars that were drunk on power. And the 100,000 plus Americans that die of drug overdoses every single year proves that the DEA is useless at preventing any reasonable amount of these deadly drugs from destroying the infrastructure of the human lives themselves that make up America. The human beings themselves that make up America.
And I hope that's not all of it. That's not a complete list. That's just a partial list of how much shit the U.S. government has fucked up because of the fact that it's run from the very top down by these tyrannical Rockefeller types and the federal government of the deep state that are unelected authority figures that run federal civilian agencies like they were the military and they are the unofficial Pentagon, basically, as equal members of Homeland Security in a full-spectrum, holistic way as the Navy or the Army is, and they employ espionage-level contractors as well as engage in both simulated and real biological war against Americans out of their forward operating bases that uncoincidentally are in San Antonio, Texas as they seek to control and destroy Texas simultaneously as foreign invaders who have legal authority over but not cultural authority over the state of Texas, which is two different states sharing one border simultaneously and parallel to each other. As one occupies the other with military force, the federal government occupying the state of Texas with, with military force. Like a colonist occupies a foreign nation. Well, I have been the Beyond Top Secret Texan. You have been listening to the Beyond Top Secret Texan. Broadcasting from the third coast, the Gulf Coast. Coast with the most, the Gulf Coast of Texas. Pride of my privilege to be doing so. Namaste and salam. Iron sharpens iron. A friend sharpens a friend. Thank you each and every one of you out there in Dreamland, listeners new and old, thank you for supporting, thank you for sharing this, thank you for gotten this far, of course, to the end. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You are literally the greatest audience out there in Dreamland that I can ask for, especially if you're getting to these parts, these words. Um, you know, check out the Twitter, check out the X, check out the uh, Instagram, still at the link tree slash beyond top secret text in all one word. Cash app, dollar sign, beyond top secret text in all lowercase. Uh, Twitter X has the donation button there that gets you right to the cash app. Easiest way to donate. Either one, five, ten, whatever you got burning a hole in your pocket. Um, like I said, would be happy if every single person donated one dollar. I'd be set for life. And if you want to be um, proactive and just help out and know that that dollar is going to be used for, you know, putting food on the table, getting these uh, production values getting higher. Uh, getting the the ball rolling to get more professional as well as you know creating documentaries and or documentaries and um, and um, you know books uh, written you know printed text through Amazon etc uh, just know that it's all it's all going towards you know the nonprofit that is beyond top secret Texan dark web experience so thank you all very much you know who have supported you know who you are most sincerely 
Uh, God bless you and your families. Peace out.